This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Last episode, Yelaris, Maypri, and Kila agreed to take the mysterious Borovic back to his hometown of Erling. They got lost on the way and had to spend the night on the road. That's when they realized they weren't alone. You're listening to The Broadswords. Starring Victoria Rogers as DM. So you just hear muffled <laughs> Kristen Flemons as Yolaris, the half elf wizard. I could just throw fireballs at it. <laughs> Keela, the high elf bard, is played by Tracy Gibbons. See? Do you see what I mean? This is what I'm talking about. And Bianca Zelda, the lovable Maypri, the tiefling barbarian. You need to hurry up with that arcane hullabaloo and figure out who's attacking us. Hello, it is late. I am sleepy and I've got wine. Before we get into this, I just really want to say thank you. Thank you to all of you. Thank you for your tweets. Thank you for your likes. Thank you for your shares, your reblogs, your tags everything because it has really helped with us kind of taking off with what we're doing we just reached 2500 downloads which for us considering we only have four episodes we're pretty stoked about so thank you and keep it up tweet tag share tell everyone we'd we'd love to be a part of everyone's D entertainment well let's just jump into it one of the poles lifts by itself and then is launched into the trees. <laughs> oh no! Did anybody else see that? Yeah. I uh, think. We need that, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I I believe it was a fairly essential component. Yes. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> Should I go get it? I don't know that that would be wise. Maybe it's a sign to just sleep on the ground. Another pole starts to lift up into the air, and it is flung in the opposite direction. How many poles are in this tent? Can I pick them all up? There are two poles. (laughs) They are now out in the dark. Uh, I'm going to pick up the remaining poles and hold on to them tightly. These are mine. Um, I think Yalaris is stressed enough that her only coping mechanism is is gonna come into play here and, and she lights some fire in her hands just to like try and appear threatening to ghosts or whatever or try and see what's happening just sort of like not throwing the fire bolts but just being like you watch out I'll Oh, I don't want to hurt you, but I will. Borovic at this point starts inching closer to Yolari's. Um, he feels that this woman with fire coming out of his hands and also culturally, um, he associates women with magical power as as strong leaders. So he immediately approaches and kind of huddles near Yolari's. Do we get any response from the trees or does anything happen? No. Yolari's is pretty sure she did a good job of scaring people off. She's feeling a little self-satisfied, actually. All right, well, it's still late at night. Um, Mipri is still sleepy, so while holding on to those poles that's left, she's going to grab the canvas tent and make a little pillow and try to go back to sleep. And uh, Kilo approaches Yulares, um and asks if perhaps, um, Yularis, would you take the watch and then I can meditate for a couple hours since you're out here hanging out with your fire anyways i don't think i'm sleeping tonight go ahead thank you so you you both start to fall asleep um about 20 minutes into your sleep slash meditation there is a loud ghastly shriek oh good really important question do i still have my tent poles You still have your tent poles. Awesome. But you are now awake from a big, (laughs) ghastly shriek. All right. I'll bolt up and look around. Um, How are we all kind of arranged? Like, I laid where the tent used to be. I think that was a little ways from the fire. Where is Kila and Ilaris and Borovic? I think Kila's just kind of close to the tent, but just lying on the ground. Yeah, I think we were pretty close to there, too. Okay, I'll look around and ask you guys, what was that? Who's screaming? Uh, Yolaris is going to say through gritted teeth, I'm really starting to hate this place. The night continues. 
like this. Every time you try to sleep, there's a shriek. There is something flying towards you. The fire sputters out and then it flows back into life in a great big rush. There is no rest for any of you. And come morning, you have yet another point of exhaustion. Oh, ma'am. Yay! I know, you are halfway to death <laughs> through exhaustion. Um, so now this means, so total, these are all three po- things that you've got to got going on right now. You have disadvantage on your checks, You your speed is halved, and you have disadvantage on attack rolls and saving throws. You are very, very tired. And morning comes around, and you are all awake, grumpy. The sun is starting to come up. And as the sun just starts to crest over the horizon and, like, break over the the treetops, a ghostly figure materializes at the edge of the road. You see... A woman, a woman in her mid-twenties. She would have at one point have had long, flowing, dark hair. Very regal kind of bearing. She definitely has the stature and stance of someone who is used to being listened to, to being respected. She wears well-made, well-tailored robes, and at her materialization, Borovic gasps, and you hear him whisper, Solana. Borovic, is that your wife? He stares. His, His eyes are transfixed on this ghostly apparition who is now starting to approach you. Her, her mouth twists into a, a roar and she screeches at you as she starts making a rush towards Borovic. Just to be safe, Keela draws her dagger, but kind of just keeping it in her hand at her side so she doesn't freak out Borovic. Yelaris uh, is going to try and talk to this eminently rational appearing spirit um being greetings my lady is a pleasure to meet you um do you need something from us we are uh trying to bring your husband home um give me a charisma check yeah i guess um like persuasion or like one of the charisma it's not intimidation. So no, whatever something like diplomacy would be. So yeah, like persuasion, I guess. Okay. To try and get her off the attack path. <laughs> oh. That was a crit fail. <laughs> she completely ignores you. And is continuing to float towards Borovic. I'm gonna, like, say over my shoulder to him, what's going on? Do you know what she's doing? Why is she angry? What do we do? Borovic, at that point, his eyes are wide, and he says, Solana, 
Solana, what have you done? And as she approaches, you notice that there are... There is a red mark around her neck. Like a red mark, like a cut or a red mark like a like a noose would leave? Like a noose would leave. So we might think she hung herself? Yeah. Is she still charging at us? Yeah. How fast? Um, I mean, she she's not... I mean, she's making a straight beeline towards Borovic, but she's not, like, running. She's now, at this point, I would say she's about 30 feet away. Keela gives Yuleris a bit of a look and then steps in front of both her and Borovic, looks the ghost as well in the eyes as she can and says, We're peaceful. Are you peaceful? Charisma check. And while you're exhausted and you have disadvantage, I'm going to say it's just neutral. I'm going to give you advantage on it, so it's going to cut so you just get one die roll. Specifically because this is pertaining to your character. This is one of your personality traits. So for role-playing purposes, I am going to give you advantage on that in this case. 20. She stops and she says, I cannot rest. I cannot rest. Why Why can you not rest? Is there something that you must do before you can rest? Her gaze turns away from Keela and focuses back on Borovic. He left me. You left me. I went to the moss stone after you disappeared, and I dreamt, and I saw you. I saw you with that other woman. Keela turns to Borovic and asks, is this, is this true? And Borovic, his eyes go wide and he, he says, no, no, I, Humara, she took me. I, I went to the Mossstone to dream of our child. I, I wanted to know. And she took me. The ghost, she, she shakes her head. No. No, you you lie. I saw. I dreamt it. I saw you. You laughed. You you laughed in her arms. 20 years is a long time. Well, there is a thing called Stockholm syndrome. Uh, but of course, Borovic doesn't know anything about that. So he there's Stockholm and Faerun, right? <laughs> I thought you were just going to explain that to her. Let <laughs> me like, write this down for you. <laughs> um, yeah, he says she took me, and I, Solana, I did not want to go. I was dreaming of a future, of our child, and and of our life together. But Hulmara, she took me instead of her husband. I did not have a choice. And Solana shakes her head again. No. No. I waited. I waited and I had our, our daughter. And still you did not come. So I, I went to the Mosto. And I, I dreamt and I saw you laughing. 
I saw you happy with someone else. And her hand unconsciously goes to her neck. Solana, when you saw Borovic, was it a dream? She slowly rips her eyes off of Borovic and looks at you, Kila. In the Moss Stone, the Moss Stone gave me the dream. It gave me the vision. You must know, the Moss Stone, it gives you dreams, but that doesn't mean that what happened was real. They're always real. That's why we go there. They can provide guidance, but that doesn't mean that they're real. Are you trying to persuade her? Yes. All right, persuasion check. Am I at a disadvantage with this? Then 11. She hesitates. She says, but it it was real. It, It felt, it looked... I could feel your joy, she says to Borovic. Borovic shakes his head and says, Solana, no. No, that's not. I ended up finding some sort of solace in my captivity because there is nothing else I could do. But I thought of you every day. There was not a moment that you were not in my thoughts. Please, you... You have to believe me. And Keela turns to Solana and says, We've only been traveling with Borovic for a day, but he always speaks of you ever since we found him. Give me another, like, charisma-oriented check, whichever... Ah, let's go with, um, persuasion... And 18. Oh, no, 19. Boom! She blinks at Keela, and then her head turns to gaze at Borovic. Then I will wait. I will wait until we can be back together. And Borovic, he's crying at this point. Uh, tears are falling down his face and he says, Solana why did you why did you do this? And Solana starts to fade I will wait I will watch and I will wait And her form dissipates into the light morning mist. Borovic falls to his knees and stares at where her form used to be. Maypri is going to lean into Kila and quickly ask, does that mean we don't have to take him home anymore? I don't want to be the one to ask him. Yelarius is just going to go with her newly successful uh, pat, 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 awkward, consoling move since that worked so well last time. Yeah. But also sort of glare at at Maypri for that exceptionally insensitive remark. Borovic looks up as this is going on and quietly says, Daughter, 
she said we had a daughter. And he he looks up at all of you through his tears and says, Please, I must know what came of her. And so you will. Let's carry on the path back to your hometown. If she's anywhere, that seems as good a place as any to start. And Keela turns to me, Pri, and whispers, I guess that answers your question. <sighs> All right. <laughs> I think Yelarius really likes having some sort of noble quest to be on, so she doesn't want it to end either. So you pack up your stuff. Do you go and try to find your tent poles? I would like to. It's daytime, so there's a lot more visibility. I know they went off into two different directions. Uh, however, we're at a crossroads, so it's just like one street and then left and right, right? Mm-hmm. So I can only, I mean, I guess I can go off into the trees. I'll take a left. Um, All right, give me a perception check. Well, not the greatest. Uh, I'm disadvantaged, so uh, six. You you can't find it. Okay. Uh, I get hungry, so I come back after some time. And I... Do we have food with us? We did get food. I didn't write it down, but I know we got something from the pilgrims. You just had some dry rations. Okay. I am not feeling particularly confident in my pole-finding skills, so I'm not going to bother looking in the other direction for the other one. It looks like everybody's packed up, so we can pick the appropriate road and go to that town. How long of a trip was it once we'd reached this crossroads? Do we remember what we were told? How many? How far? Uh, you. It took you about nine hours, but that was because you were exhausted, so you were moving at half speed, and you missed it, and then had to go all the way back to find it. So it took you a lot longer than it should have. But do we know how far it is, like, from this crossroads to the town? At your pace, it is about four to five hours. Okay, then I probably don't care about the tent poles. <laughs> okay, it is an uneventful walk towards Erling. As you walk down this path, the path gets narrower it grows a little bit more wild it's rather peaceful you are surrounded by trees you are now getting to be in a more wooded area and there are birds chirping you can hear squirrels going off in the background hopping around from branch to branch and the path looks like it ends in the trees. And if it was not for Borovic, who continues on and guides you through, you probably would have missed the town altogether. For the town is really just a grove in this forest. It's a grove of alders and evergreen trees. And there are grassy mounds surrounding it. And when you start to walk into this small town, you realize these mounds, they have doors. 
these mounds, these grassy mounds are actually people's homes. These are what people live in. And it's all very natural looking. Are they hobbits? <laughs> no, the, actually, um, everyone here that you can see are human. So there are some people out and about? There are, you see two people. There is one mound, which is the largest mound, and it is closest to the area in which you are coming into this small town in, and it has a sign over top of it kind of swinging um, in a light breeze with a picture of a bed on it. And there is a young boy outside of it kind of playing with a wooden hoop and stick um, playing outside and there is a woman a little further down um, in front of a house hanging up her washing that picture of a bed looks really nice I'll turn to Borovic and ask him do you know where your daughter might live? Your town isn't really, um, spacious. Perhaps we should inquire at the inn? Or is there a mayor of sorts? No, let's just, let's just go to the inn. That seems like a, an excellent first step. We can ask the beds what they think about Borovic's daughter. Beds are very wise. <laughs> May pre will agree. Uh, yeah, I'm. That's a great, really smart idea. Okay, so you end up going into the inn, and on the sign above the picture, once you get closer, you can read it, and it says the Green Chapel over top. So you open this door and inside it's rather homey there is a dirt floor that has been strewn with sweet grass it is nice and fresh and as you step on it there is a nice burst of of that sweet grass smell and there are two trestle tables with benches on either side with a walkway leading up to a wooden bar and behind that bar is a middle-aged man with dark hair. He's starting to bald. He's got a, a bald patch at the top of his head. And he, he looks up at your approach. And upon seeing Borovic, his face pales. Greetings, sir. Uh, we will require several rooms and also are bringing this fine man back to his hometown and would like to see him properly appointed as well. And some stew. Yes, stew. And drinks. Definitely drinks. The man behind the counter lifts one of the the bar that's on a hinge so he can come out from behind the bar and he, he nods at your requests and says, yes, yes, 
and his brows furrow, and he stands before Borovic. We thought you were gone. And Borovic looks at this innkeeper and says, Selaf, I... Homara. And at that name, no other explanation needs to be made. And Selaf, the innkeeper, he nods as understanding goes over his face. You have... You have a daughter. And Borovic's eyes light up and he says, Is she here? Selaf nods. There is a woman seated um, by the door. That's why you didn't quite notice her when you walked into the inn, as she would have been now behind you when you walked in. And at that, she looks at Selav, nods, and exits the inn. I turn to the innkeeper and ask, who was that? The innkeeper is startled um, when someone else speaks and looks away from Borovic over to you and says, one of the Hathren, she will just wait. Borovic, please have a seat. And he motions towards one of the table for everyone to have a seat as he goes over to the large fireplace where there is a cauldron hanging on a tripod over the fire. And he starts to gather um, bowls um, to get stew for everyone. Yelarius can barely contain her sigh of relief as she sinks down onto the bench. Uh, so excited for stew and sitting and eventually sleeping. Keela takes a seat beside Yelarius in the fire. Or not in the fire, in front of the fire. <laughs> I can sit next to Borovic, I don't mind. Okay, you all you all sat down, and as Borovic sits in his shoulders kind of slunch, he looks nervous. His face is pinched. Salov brings bowls of stew over to everyone with wooden spoons and places them in front of everyone and he then sits himself at the table and he looks around and says how did you come about bringing Borovic here? Humara herself asked us to deliver him home. His brows raise. Humara. Yelarius gives a self-important nod. Mm, mm-hmm. He tilts his head and examines Yolaris for a moment, and then he nods back respectfully to her. She doesn't necessarily understand what's going on, but she's, she's going to play along. What is your name? I am Yolaris of House Roaringhorn. It is a pleasure to make your acquaintance. And he narrows his brows and looks at Yolaris carefully before nodding again, and then looks expectantly to Keela. I am Keela. And when nothing else comes from Keela as she shovels stew into her mouth, he, he looks over at Maypri. Maypri has a mouthful of food, um, so she kind of like tries to talk from the side of her mouth. Mm, I'm, I'm, I'm Maypri. <laughs> Not the most pretty <laughs> introductions. And he nods his head. And as that happens, there is a rustle at the door. There are now two women, and they are both masked. 
One has a large, like a, a half mask with antlers coming up and out um, very majestically uh, from the, where the, the forehead portion of this mask is. And she is dressed in an immaculate robe. And there you you're not familiar with these people and their custom, but there is definitely something about this woman that says she is in charge. Her robes are finely made and they're made of very well like high thread count material. This is not this is not homespun. This is well woven. A master weavers created this fabric. And it flows very lightly around her with each movement that she makes. And she is dressed in green. The other woman is the woman that was in the inn before. And she too wears a mask, but her mask is just a half mask with some feathers, raven feathers all around it. But it is not a a big headdress like this other woman's is. And she is wearing more brown robes, the same kind of material, but not as ornate. Uh, Yularis is going to stand as they approach just, you know, out of habit when people of power enter the room. Um, She's used to that as a symbol of deference. So she's going to stand up and nod. The two women stare directly at Borovic, and at their approach, Borovic, he as well, comes up to a feet, um, his feet, pushing the bench back, wiping his mouth quickly of stew, <laughs> um, and he, he bows his head in respect to this woman. Come. And she holds out her hand. And he... And these two women follow him out the door. I mean, I am very curious about this and would really love to follow and find out what's going on. But that stew and those beds, I think their siren song is stronger right now. (laughs) So I'm going to sit back down and eat. Kayla's just going to kind of watch with very mild interest, but mostly just keep eating, like just putting the spoon to her mouth while watching the interaction and chewing and then turning back to the fire when they leave. And Maypreet's finished her food, so she's going to grab Borovic's unfinished stew and finish that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Salev watches all of this, and he, he lo- nods at the three of you, and he says, you have done a great service. There has been much sadness in this town since his disappearance. Is he going to be okay? Time will only tell us. Not everyone is the same when they return from Humara's grasp. Do men often go missing with Humara? From time to time. It's... It's a sad story, that one. But she lost her husband. And when she died, she became tied to the moss stones. And there are times when, if there is a man who reminds her of her husband, she has been known to take him. She always returns them, but it's never always. 
Well, there's one story where a man was gone for 200 years. What was his name? Norvik the Proud. It seems like a high price to pay to use those moss stones if there's a chance that your men may go missing. Why do you continue to use these stones? Is the price really worth it? Why do we continue to use swords? To protect yourselves? If everyone used something to protect themselves, then no one would need to use them. There'd be no aggressors. Maybe it's going to grumbly keep eating the rest of the stew because she doesn't have like a good comeback to that. <laughs> I think Yalarius uh, is going to ask, so was that woman his daughter in the mask with the antlers? No, his daughter. She'd be in the hall as she is an apprentice to the Hathren. Hmm. Was that woman in charge? That was Nithra. She is the spokeswoman for Yelbruna, who is the leader of the Hathren of all of Rashomon. You will be allowed to stay here the night, but then you will must leave, for this is a sacred place. And whatever you do, do not go into the Erling Wood. For if you do, you will die immediately. That is the law of Rashomon. That's not the wood we came out of, is it? No. By the hall, there is a path that leads into the wood. And if you go into that wood, you will be killed upon sight. Good to know. Who would kill us? The Hathren. Oh, the, those angry women. Uh, the angry women. And he arches his brows. I think Hilarious is going to give her a look as well of like, whoa, whoa now. <laughs> I'll, uh, you know, put my hands up and like a, t- a sign of uh, mercy, please. Are you familiar with Rashomon? This is my first time here. The Hathren rule this land. Sure, there's a king sitting in Imilar. But that king is chosen by the Hathren. That king does what the Hathren tell him to do. This is their seat of power. The witches rule the land of Rashomon. Would it be possible to have an audience with any of the Hathren? I would love to learn from them if it were possible. That is not for me to arrange. What I can do is offer you free room and board for the night. If the Hathren want to see you, they will request an audience. And Keela turns to the innkeeper and asks, is there any other reward for us for bringing back Borovic? Anything in the town stores is a way to say thank you for our good deeds? He laughs. He thinks that is hilarious. And... He says, well, you know, I don't have any authority on that matter, but I can give you a bottle of this. And he, hold on, I got to find the name of it. I forget the name. Aha. Rashemi Firewine. Okay, so he then goes back behind the bar and he takes a key out of his pocket and he opens a cupboard and from that cupboard he takes out a 
red bottle. He locks the cupboard door back up and then he brings it around and places it on the table and he says, Jeweled, Reshemi Firewine, this is nothing like the trash that they sell wherever it is that you're from. This is the original stuff. Um, Galeria's eyes are going wide because she does know what this is. Um, it's super highly prized, uh, especially so expensive. So really only the noble circles probably ever get it. And usually it's watered down. So she's like, damn. So you know that this in Waterdeep is probably about 120 gold pieces, this bottle of Firewine. And sometimes it can sell even up to 150 to 200 gold pieces, depending on how much is in the town at that time. And during scarce times, it is around 200. And she is right. It is often watered down. This, this stuff is extremely strong. She's, she's going to reach for it and be like, thank you. We appreciate it. <laughs> Sort of like, don't take it away. And he laughs at that response. And he says, there are rooms upstairs that we can prepare for you. And I think this is a good place to end. These women finally get some sleep. Just like me, it is really past my bedtime. It is 1.24 a.m. And I am really excited to get this done and up and ready for all of you wonderful people. Look out for our holiday special that will be coming out sometime, I don't know, December 23rd, 24th, something like that, whenever I can get it up and get the time. Uh, if you want, you can see our, our lovely live play um, on our Facebook page. That's still up there. But our regularly scheduled episode will be up on December 30th. So, see you next time. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish.